On this episode of Geek Out Loud, Gulliver's reads the ocean at the end of the lane. And man, oh man. We're going to talk philosophy. We're going to talk religion. We're going to talk mythology. It's the Geek Out Loud. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. I'm Steve Glosson, glad to be along with you as we are in a Goliverse Reads episode, the book of the month, The Ocean at the End of the Lane by the great Neil Gaiman. Philosopher, author, uh, just, man, fascinating, fascinating read, and I can't wait to get into talking about it. And we're going to do just that, but we don't do it alone on these things. Of course, we've got to bring in, uh, I don't know if he's the man, the myth, the legend, but by God, he is, uh, he is trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, Bald Rod. What's going on, Rod? Oh, not much, Steve. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a legend. That seems like a lot of responsibility and not I don't, something I'm up I don't for. know, man. You're you're the old. Uh, you're, I mean, you know, you're you're tearing up the charts over there with the uh, with the Dune cast. Uh, we have gotten some notice on there, which is kind of exciting. Who's put you on notice? Uh, we have interacted with both Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, and uh, Kevin even uh, tagged us on Twitter the other day about the new book that's coming out. So, all right. We'll take it. Well, uh, Rod's here, and the 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 lady who gave us this book to read, the woman who said, "We will read this book." Nicole, what's going on? About time we read this book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What? I nominated it a couple times. Oh, yeah? Yes. Well, you should have just gone ahead and made an executive decision. Uh, She's she's like, now that I can do that. All right. So now that you can do that, how often do you think you'll use that power, Nicole? I don't know. We'll see what you two do tonight. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) <laughs> we're on notice. <laughs> we're, no, we're on thin ice is what we are. <laughs> Already. <laughs> well, you're the one that called her. Apparently, the tips for talking to Nicole on the phone, don't be in a windy area. And don't call her when she's napping. Uh, well, th- listen, that should be for anybody. Especially when I said I was napping in a previous text. I'm going to sleep. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you're here and not napping tonight, Nicole. I am too. Oh, good. I I can feel the enthusiasm just oozing off of you. Don't let me get you riled up. <laughs> You're not going to get me riled up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Exactly. <laughs> 
Before we get too much into things, I want to say thanks to everyone who supports the shows with Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, our feature supporter for this episode is Ronnie B. Ronnie is a mystery, unsure if the power comes from mysticism or science. Ronnie can become a cloud of smoke or lightning or a smoky lightning-filled entity. Vastly powerful and incredibly scary. Be glad Ronnie is on our side. Also, Ronnie is looking to use this skill in a tropical setting, so if you're hiring a smoke monster or entity, uh, let us know. And that's our featured supporter on this episode uh, from patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We've got uh, the exclusive pod coming up this weekend at the time of recording. We'll be dropping and um, we'll be scheduling our uh, our uh, Google Hangout uh, in the next couple of days. So be watching your inbox, those of you who are uh, at that level. And um, maybe dropping a few special things throughout the month for... Um, all the all of the supporters uh, who supported all the levels, uh, some things that have come across the who've come across the desk at the old Big Honkin Show. I hope everyone's listening as they have the opportunity. The Big Honkin Show we're doing it daily, Monday through Friday, live at Mixer.com/slash/Goldiverse, and uh, dropping the podcast a few days later. Usually we're we're staying a few days behind intentionally, um, just to kind of let it be special for the live audience and that sort of thing. But you'll get it; it's coming. And um, sometimes to the tune of one or two a day. So, I've been uh, been waiting to hear the one from Tuesday. That'll be coming out tomorrow. Nicole, I don't know if did you hear about this? Did you listen to Tuesday's show, Nicole? No. I was told that Steve mentioned all these great co-hosts that he podcasts with, mm-hmm. and I heard two people didn't get mentioned. So, oh, not surprised. Not surprised <laughs> at all. We're not great people, apparently. No, we can barely get podcasts. You can barely get a podcast, so hey. Listen, all, uh, you know, take it as a challenge, guys, and, and really bring it this episode and see what happens. <laughs> Rod, you won the birthday club. Did what I? In, yeah, what in the world? How are you going to get on to me when yet. you won the birthday club? You beat Nobody Riley Blanton in the birthday club. The yeah, news. They just told me. No one tells you the good news. No. I, I well, nominated him, so why wouldn't... Well, it's a, it's a random drawing. I'm just gonna go and dye my hair, my hair red now. I'll be back. It's a Nicole. It's a random drawing at the end of the episode. I can't. I have no power over who wins. In fact, Rod, because of his association with the podcast, was almost disqualified. But I left it up to the gods of the random number generator, and they chose Rod. Well, so I guess somebody likes me. Yeah. So look, <laughs> listen. Don't don't come on here. Don't come on this show. This is the positive, you know, place to geek out, the safe place to geek out, all that good stuff. Don't come on this show having run around with me with another show. Hey, I, I tried to start up a Dune episode with you. You just we did a Dune episode. Yeah, but you just wanted to do one, and I, you know, I just I just didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep going. Well, I couldn't keep going, Rod. I'm sorry. I I wanted to for you, buddy, but I just couldn't. Yeah, I, just I understand keep that going. Maybe I'll uh, have to buy a new T-shirt now. Oh, okay. Well, listen, you can do that if you want to, or you can just shop at Amazon.com through the links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Whenever you shop through those links, it really helps the shows out. Or for you guys that like the Think Geek, we're now Think Geek Affiliates. What better what better uh, sponsorship to have at Geek Out Loud than thinkgeek.com? And uh, they've got all kinds of cool stuff over there, so check them out. Uh, use the links that are provided at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Shop through those. And also, Entertainment Earth links there for all the collectors out there. Man, I know a lot of people are into the Funko Pops and everything. Um, 
you can they've got great deals on those at entertainment earth and uh they've got all kinds of, i mean anything you collect they've got entertainment earth so uh whenever you use the links the entertainment earth links at those at those two websites it helps us out as well so i do want that new ahsoka figure the six inch yeah okay so can i get that from earthlink mm, uh entertainment earth you mean yeah sure <laughs> Well, Them too. first you need to go to the right uh, website. I'll just click on the link from geekoutonline.com. <laughs> That'd be the thing to do. And uh, and then and then go to the Star Wars section and see if it's available. If it's not, just get in touch with me and I may be able to help you out a little bit. You might be able to procure it for me. Uh, my, I may very well be able to. So... Nicole, is if it won't make Nicole, if it won't make, if it will not make Nicole feel like the redheaded stepchild... <laughs> What? I wasn't listening. Exactly. I heard action figures and I just zoned out. Oh, I'm sorry. They do have they do have a soak at Entertainment Earth. Apparently she is uh gonna be available this month, so nice. Mm-hmm. Not in stock yet, but coming soon. All right. Um so where are we at here? We're doing a Goliverse Reads episode, gang, and um I spoiler alert, I really like this book. Yeah, I don't think there's much Neil Gaiman has written that I have not enjoyed. I've got to delve into more of his catalog. I, I know Neil Gaiman as someone who has written comics, you know? Um, the Sandman. Sandman and, and stuff, yeah. So I, I know him that way, and I've never really dived into his... Dove? Dove? Divin? Into, into his... Uh, his his other work and this book just i don't know i nicole you you suggested it so let let me start with you why why did you want to why did you want to get in and talk and read this book talk this book and all that good stuff because another book club that i used to be in read it last year and it got rave reviews Mm mm-hmm and I didn't get around to reading it then, so I was like, oh, hey, okay. here's another book club. I'm in another book club. I'm going to read it this time. Okay, so this was a blind pull based on other reviews you'd seen. So after, once you read it, then what are your what are your initial thoughts? What, just overall thoughts and everything? This was a really good book. I enjoyed it. Fast read. I also got other people into it at work. Oh, yeah? Yes. Like just talking about it? So you were raving about it at work and such as? Well, they usually see me reading. They're like, okay, what are you reading this time for your book club? Because oh, nice. I've talked about the book club. Nice. Look at you. Well done. Thank you so much for, for pimping out everything that we do around here, Nicole. But yet I don't get mentioned on that podcast with Dead Tuesday. Uh, well, you weren't there to listen in live. Hmm. That's what that, um, I have to listen live to get me. Oh, okay. I don't, even know that, I don't even know that I was really mentioning people. I don't know what that's all about. I was just going with what I was told, but uh, hey, I'll listen to it tomorrow, maybe. Okay. When it drops. All right. Well, Rod, what did, what are you? Where you stand? Where where you stand, Rod? Where do you stand on? Um, right now, I'm sitting comfortably on this on on Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm with Nicole. It was a quick read. I mm-hmm. actually even found the time to sit down and read this one. Yeah. Oh, get out! You I know. Listen? I Shot. didn't listen to this one. I was like. I think I can carve out enough time to read this one. So, but yeah, I like I said earlier, I don't think there's much he's written that I haven't completely enjoyed. Yeah. 
And I hope that uh, this is far from the only book that we cover in this group because I really enjoy it. I mean, yeah, I'd be I'd be willing too. I'd be willing to over the course of the next few episodes just turn into the Neil Gaiman book club for a little while. I've heard good things about American Gods, and it is about to be a TV show. Yeah, I was telling Steve I want to cover. Uh, I read it years ago in the book club I was in, and I'd love to go back and revisit it. Uh, good Omens that he wrote with Terry Pratchett. Why do I know the name Terry Pratchett? Uh, he wrote the Discworld series. Right. That has been nominated this month. Okay. Oh, did we do nominations this month? We did nominations. I think how we decided we were going to do it was we were going to do nominations, and then we would pick from those. Did anyone second a nomination? I hope somebody did, but I, I don't do think too. so. My fingers are crossed. <laughs> there was an argument about a nomination. Shut up. And what? It's the same one. It's the same one every time. What are people arguing? Yeah, it's the same one every time. I have nothing to say. Because I read the book, I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to let them fight it out. Okay. That's the way to do it. Let's not argue. One, this is not This is not the place for argument. This is not the place for argument. So, um, The Color of Magic, is that the one that was nominated, Terry Pratchett? Yes. Yeah. Discworld. Wait now, hold on. There was also confusion about the nominations, Mm -hmm. but okay. Well, that'll work itself out. Yeah, I I just making changes. I left it alone. Yeah, left it alone. It'll it'll take a a month or two, and people will understand the new format, the new and improved format for the Mm -hmm. Goldverse Reads Club. Okay. It's not that hard to understand. I'm trying. Careful. (laughs) I'm trying. That's why I, I, I don't see any. I don't see any arguments about the I Thomas book as usual. Oh, is that one that normally happens? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I didn't know there was you. See, I don't really get into the um, forums that much over there. I've the noticed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm. So, I'm sorry. I, I have other podcasts and stuff that I do. Oh, good times. So that's why I delegate. Yeah. I delegate to everyone else. Um. All right, anyhow, let's get back into this thing. So, had you read this before now, Rod? I had not, actually. This is another one of those ones that I'm so far behind on books that I want to read. Mm-hmm. that it, It's always been on there, and then Nicole said, this is the one we're going to read. And I was like, all right. All right. Going to read some Neil Gaiman's Ocean at the end of the yeah, I was tempted to actually get this on audio, though, because he does narrate all his own books, and I actually really enjoy his narrations. Yeah, he, it's very. he's got a very soothing easy voice and i feel like when it's the author narrating it that he's going to be inflecting and giving readings in the way that he intended yeah i think i i'm trying to think i think he's done all the audio versions of his book Hmm. i think he records them all all right well now let's uh let's dive in as we had some we had some uh responses about this book from some of the listeners you can email goaliversereads at gmail.com every month when we get into a book and uh and it helps us kind of along with discussion questions that you'll find at geekoutonline.com slash reads just go join our good reads group there and uh every month when we get into the discussions of the books there'll be a list of questions or some type of discussion going on and these kind of help guide our discussion throughout the show so um Wendy, our good friend Wendy, has hath chimed in, and um, Wendy from the high desert, as it were, 
Nicole's best friend in the whole wide world. In the wide world. Says, Dear hey, Reed. I went to go see her. That's right. Says, Dear Reed's crew, I like this book. I don't know that I would have read it without the Goldiverse Reed's recommendations, but I'm glad I did. It was both entertaining and weird. I want to say, I want to first say that contrary to what Doc Zen says, I do not think this is a story about a dude that has a mental break and killed people. Oh. Well, yeah. I guess we're going to end up bringing that up then. Yeah, that was an interesting theory. Yeah, well, I don't think it was. A, I think he's making stuff up. Yeah, that's Doc. That's Doc trying to derail as Doc does. Um, she says, I started to answer Nicole's questions, but I don't know much about three-part entities other than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which I'll address that later on. I just what? know... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say it's kind of the female version of it. Okay. I just know I like the whole fantastic notion there was an epic battle that no one knew about but one kid. And he only remembers it at times of distress when he subconsciously wanders his way to the farm. Maybe to remember, reflect, and perhaps gain a subconscious confidence that whatever he is facing just doesn't add up to much. Compared to the conflict that almost ended the world, I do think that Ursula's plan uh, to make everyone happy would have been disastrous because you can't make everyone happy all the time. We are flawed and happiness would one, and our happiness would one day encroach upon someone else's and then it would be on. And Ursula would feed off of the strife. She said she only wanted to give people what they wanted. But things like that always come with a price, and I think her price was mayhem. So that's it. I liked it. Keep up the good work. And that's Wendy Cooper from the High Desert, our good friend Wendy Cooper, of course, mother of the Amen Corner there uh, out in Vegas. So um, this notion of Ursula's, uh, the flea, if you will, wanting to make everyone happy, uh, just wanting to give everyone what they want. Uh, this is one of the discussion questions that was in uh in in the in the thread in the discussion thread and it is uh i'll read the i'll try to find the question really quickly verbatim um one of ursula monkson's main attributes is she always wants she always tries to give people what they want why is this not always a good thing what does ursula want how does ursula use people's desires against them to get what she wants um wendy kind of went the mayhem route that as soon as everyone's happy you know, getting what makes them happy, it's going to encroach on someone else's happiness. Uh, I, it makes me think of um, Bruce Almighty. I was just thinking the same thing, where, actually. Where Jim Carrey's answering all the emails, and, you know, and, and it's just kind of starting to cause chaos. What, uh, what do you think the problem with just giving people what they want is, Nicole? See, this made me think of a Stephen King book, Evil Things, mm -hmm. where everybody where it ended up being murderous and mayhem because everybody got what they thought they wanted. Hmm. Well, it's Which it, just because you think you want something, it mm -hmm. doesn't actually mean that you need it. Okay. And she doesn't necessarily give it to him in the way that they want it. You know, there's the, he finds the coin and it's stuck in his throat. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole monkey paw thing. Here we go with O'Henry. Wasn't that O'Henry? Was that O'Henry? The monkey's paw? Am I wrong? Who wrote The Monkey's Paw? Chat? Anybody? No one? All right. Let me Google that for you. I'm about to do that. The Monkey's Paw. Not to be confused with The Monkey's Paw Paw. Uh, or Monkey Bread. Oh, love some Monkey Bread. W.W. Jacobs wrote The Monkey's Paw. Oh, Henry was the gift of the Magi, right? There you go. Okay. And a candy bar. Mediocre at best candy bar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's because, you know, it's one of those things. It's like it's a crapshoot. Give and take, give and take. Um, 
William Sidney Porter. Why did he go by O. Henry? I guess that was his pen name. I'm sorry. Let's not go down an O. Henry rabbit hole. Um, so this from Needful Things is that the one you were talking about, Nicole? The Stephen King book. Yes. Okay. It's been a long time since I've read that one, but yeah. never read it. Never read it. So is is that real life? We had this discussion with that stupid book. I'm not stupid. Let me mm, let me start over. There was a book we read that I didn't get much enjoyment out of called One Second Later. <laughs> and we had the discussion of should there be a calamity like that? Would society break down in such a way? And Rod, you tended to say yes. Nicole, I forget what your opinion on the matter was. Yes. Yes. Um, I tended to think, no, humanity's better than that. If everyone's getting what they want, is are we destined for mayhem? I think absolutely. Yes, we are. Because <laughs> I don't think everybody can have what they want without infringing on what everybody else wants. Because it could be the whole, hey, I want your husband. I don't think I don't, that wife probably won't appreciate me wanting that husband. Mm-hmm. That was the case. That's true. And that kind of happened in this book. Until it got that snipped it out. Did. It did get snipped out. That's an interesting situation. The, the snippage. One of the things I love about Neil Gaiman is in his books is he doesn't always explain everything perfectly. You know, he always lets you imagine, you know, he doesn't tell you exactly where the hemstocks are from or where Ursula is from. It's always, you know, they're powerful. There might be witches and or she's an evil being, but it's not. This is the person that was around when the world was first created and is a byproduct of this, this and this. And she's been around doing this, you know. I think sometimes I like that, that it's just left up to your imagination. Well, let's go Let's go down that road then, um, specifically with the hemp stocks. Who were these ladies? And, you know, again, it's just they've been around since the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been around when the earth was young. And I think in the interview that I watched, I, I referenced it. I don't know if I referenced it while we were recording. Doc linked an interview that Neil Gaiman was doing and these questions. And he said, part of the thing that inspired the Hemstocks was there was a book William the Conqueror wrote and his mom told Neil Gaiman, you know, this road is uh, mentioned in that book. And it was a, a road that didn't really lead anywhere. And so he thought, wouldn't it be neat if somebody had lived there for a thousand years and just nobody noticed. And that's how he kind of came up with the Hemstocks living mm-hmm. on this farm and just nobody really noticing them. And right. They just kind of do their own thing and kind of watch over everybody almost, you know, make sure nobody crosses over into this world that shouldn't be. And it's not just that little section of life. I mean, they're obviously, they're stationed there. See, and that, that leads into a whole other question because, like, are there are there little pockets of hemstock-like women around the globe? Is this, is this a nexus of... Um, you know, is this a vortex of some sort where these things come in, or? Well, I felt like they kept mentioning the old country, mm-hmm. and I felt like in reading the book that they brought what that part they brought the farm with them, just like how they like if you went in different places on the farm, the moon the moon would be in different phases. Mm-hmm. It's like they brought that part of the world with them when they brought the farm. That the farm, I don't think the farm was originally there. That's what they brought that farm with them. The, the building that they live in. And that's why she calls, that's why Letty calls the, the pond her ocean. Right. Because, uh, because we saw the ocean actually fit into a bucket. Yeah, you just got to ask it nicely. 
I love this book so much. So let me ask you this. Could this be a sequel of sorts to The Lord of the Rings and these ladies are just elves? No. You don't think so? No. They're doing elf-like things. Yeah. Um, interestingly, though, in the interview, I didn't catch it because it's been so long since I've read Stardust, but apparently there's a hemstock in the, in these uh, books, Stardust, and another hemstock in uh, the graveyard. What is it? The graveyard book? Is that the name of it? Nicole, do you know? I believe so. Yeah, and one of them actually gets burned for being a witch. Oh, wow. All right, I got to go down a Neil Gaiman rabbit hole. So which Neil Gaiman? Let's go ahead right now. I know that everyone has given your suggestions in the Goliverse Reads book club, the, the Goodreads book club, but I'm going to make an executive decision. I want more Neil Gaiman. Works for me. I like it. No argument for me. So what are we doing, Rod? Uh, do you want me to just throw some out? Yeah. Uh, Neverwhere, American Gods, Stardust. There's the one with Terry Pratchett, Good Omens. Um, I'm asking you to throw one out that we're going to read. Well, we could uh, stick with the trend that we like to do a lot of times. American Gods is actually going to be a television show coming up soon right. on Stars, I believe. Okay. All right, so next month's book, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Done. <laughs> Jess I'm, Becker apparently agrees. I know we just ticked everybody off, but that's fine. Um, no, I mean, if you're mad that we chose Neil Gaiman, then I think you're in the wrong group. <laughs> yeah, you might want to look somewhere else for your reading material. Well, now let's not run people away, guys. We I don't understand people that don't like Neil Gaiman. I, does it, I mean, I, I get if you're not, like, he's not your favorite author. But it's like, I don't know how you just can't like him. Has there been anyone trying to... Uh, not that I'm aware of. Who, who's, who said they don't? Like, I mean... No, I'm just saying, you know, you're like, don't run anybody off. And I'm like, I don't think there's anybody out there that's really, oh, I hate Neil Gaiman. Well, I don't want to seem like I, we just ignored suggestions and such as. You're the Steve. Those suggestions you can, can... Well, if after we read American Guides, if we don't want to read another Neil Gaiman book, mm -hmm. we can use those suggestions for... I don't even know what month we're in. Oh, this is September... So for October, if we don't want to read another Neil Gaiman book. Okay. Now, Jess Becker said she didn't care for this book. Why, Jess? Why? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested. Could, in that maybe well. she'd call in later and tell us. Maybe. Um, so here we are. We're, we're talking this thing. I've got to get back to the hemp stock stuff and who they are. Uh, Doc Zen, who gave a, that off-the-wall thing in the, in, the, in the discussion thread, actually sent in, I think this is a first time ever, in the history of the Goliverse, that Doc Zen sent in an email that is not just two sentences long and that actually is on topic. You love the book? This came in like the next day. Like I remember as soon as we had recorded the episode <laughs> and like the next day I get an email that just says in the topic line, Ocean at the End of the Lane. And I'm like, well, I haven't even picked this book up yet, so I can't read the email yet. <laughs> Well, Doc says, okay, first off, I enjoyed this book. It was a quick read, even with using the audio. I'm of three minds, pun intended, on who the Hempstock women are. One, could they be interdimensional creatures? If they are fourth or fifth dimensional creatures, it would be how they can see and do. Just as if you draw two-dimensional stick people with a line in the middle of them, they couldn't see each other. But as a three-dimensional creature, you could. The hole they went through kind of makes me think about that. Also, if they're five or six or higher dimensional creatures, maybe it's why they know the flea. It's a higher dimensional creature that... 
than us, but lower than them. Could they be gods? This is the second thing. They talk of, a, of the language. Is it the same one our God used to make the world? And he said, let there be light, and there was light, etc. The three ages reminds me of the myths of Avalon and Terry Pratchett's three witches. Looked up Wikipedia, and yep, the triple goddess is the maiden, the mother, and the old crone. Of course, this is seen uh, when at the end he sees only one. Also, the triple uh, goddess is represented by different phases of the moon. If they really are goddesses, it would explain why they only need men if they want men around. Not yep. males, but men as in the human race of man. Also, if it's based on the Christian beliefs or the Christian beliefs based on some older religions, the flea and the worm could be temptation, like the devil coming to Eve in the Garden of Eden, worm equals snake. And was the fruit of knowledge the same as the narrator experienced in the place he knew everything and was omnipresent like God? You can be a God and be everywhere knowing everything, but as we, uh, but as a we or come to earth and lose some of that but be able to have fun and live like a man. Other examples are he looks in the mirror and sees his face, but he talks about what he's looking at it with. Is he talking about seeing his earthly body with his eyes of his soul? Also, when Letty says how we all, uh, how we all children, uh, children of God, own, and only maybe as granny, God, him or herself, has grown up. Also, I had some wondering if the fae is what they are, but the fae have always been confused with God, so I put, put it with this section. Could the toadstool have been some type of holy place? And that's why the narrator was protected from evil. I have a feeling you go really deep about all this God's Christian belief stuff, but that's as far as I'm going with it right now. Could the narrator, this is his third thing, could the narrator just have had a mental collapse at seeing a dead body? He is seven, and already for someone his age, having a hard time with his parents having money issues and him having to give up his room with the basin, which he constantly focuses on the loss of. He's shown to be bad with people and hides in many worlds of his books. Could the shock of seeing the dead body have uh, driven him over the edge? I wonder if he, if, if he is even seven. He seems to have read very many books by seven, and most are way out of the age range of kids his age. Could it be why he seems to look in the mirror and not see him true, his true self, the age he really is, but that of a seven-year-old boy? He speaks of his family calling him a monster when he was younger and that he doesn't remember his bad behavior. Could there have been periods of years he blanked out on and lived his fantasy world with the hipstock women? There's a point he touches an electrical fence. Could this be when his parents try to cure him with shock therapy? He is held underwater by his father. Could this be a father ran ragged by trying to care for a child trapped in their own mental world and able to escape? It seems odd that a family with a large outside and who let their children have a gas heater with matches in the room would think their children need a full-time keeper, especially back in the time the story took place. I have a question about that momentarily. I think Ursula was in, was in truth there to help a boy who had lost his mind thinking he was still only seven. Did she really have an affair with a father stressed out by money and a son who was having a mental breakdown? We cannot know due to the narrator is the one who may have had the breakdown in the first place. Another reason I wonder uh, this is when the narrator is in his circle unwilling to go out, he asks his father why he wants to hurt him. Is it at this point the father decides to give up and let his son live in the imaginary world he built for himself after the shock of the dead body? He does seem to snap out of it, which is maybe why he doesn't remember the years that he had the breakdown. However, it appears at least two or three times through his life when things became too complicated, he would go back in the world and make believe with the hempstock women. When he became a father, when his cat was dying, and instead of accepting his death, he pretends it went to live with the hempstocks. And after death, is it his wife or his children? He seems to be both because when he talks to his family, he only mentions his sister and her kids. Lastly, could he just be a deranged killer? Well, there it is. <laughs> he kills a babysitter having an affair with his father. He kills a man who killed his kid, and he kills a girl who possibly witnessed his crime. And last, he kills his own family. Lastly, I wish I knew the significance of the ocean. And, of course, water is always popular in folklore, religions, etc. 
the rivers that ran into Eden, the ones in the Greek myth, the waters around Avalon, fountain of youth, etc. Also, we ourselves are made of water. Could the women have been aliens who came to our molten planet bringing water and making man, which is mostly made of water? So, man, that's mm-hmm. doc, that is the most verbose Doc Zen has ever been in any email he's ever sent. And I, here's the thing. I don't like the idea, personally, that he's had a mental collapse at seeing the dead body. I, I like to think of this guy as as much of a narrow as as much as of a reliable narrator as possible, given the memory wipe basically that's done by the Hempstock ladies. Yeah, I I don't I'm not a big fan of the crazy narrator, but sorry, Doc. I mean it took because it takes out the fantastic element. Yeah. That that I think has to be in this thing. I I, I think there's a message here and I think that um I think that there's a there's a reason that this boy is caught up in this fantastic situation that he's in, and um, and I don't know so much that it's meant to be like a morality tale, but I, look, it it got me thinking about a lot. I mean, it really it had me googling last night late the theology of Neil Gaiman. Really? Like, yeah, just trying to get some bead on who are these women. What is you know what is this ocean? What are the fleas? What are these 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 other the cleaners and everything? Because there's a lot of different imagery that's used. That as um, with my background and where I come from with my theology, you know there were things that I was making connections with um, theologically and and then again with with you know mythology and everything else that goes with it. You know, I began to make some connections, and I'm like, I can't be on the right track. I got to find out what. This. Of course, I didn't find anything worthwhile. I was just on my phone googling, and I hate googling on my phone. But yeah. um, but so anyhow, I'd say all that to say this: what I do like is the the talk of being interdimensional or gods or godlike, um, and and he brings up the situation with the moon. Granny Hempstock always wanted to be a full moon. And um and and she seemed to be able to control that situation at least in that area. And that brings us back to is this is this land brought over from the old country? What is the old country? Yeah, I mean, you and I say old country, we assume Europe, but this is in Britain. Right. So right. what would be the old country? Nicole, what do you think the old country is? That's the one thing that stumped me about the book because I that it really stumped me because that's when I started thinking the whole one of the triple goddess and the whole religious undertone. Mm-hmm. Could it be like a godlike world? Because it's not Europe, it's not Asian, it's not you know, it's not American. So what is the old? That's one of the things that did stump me. And then again, when you if you look up the term triple goddess, mm-hmm. it, um, for each one, each they also coincide with like earth, underworld, and the heavens. So it is really hard it, to me. It was just really hard to figure out what the old country was. Yeah. Well, see, with this, with these three ladies, if if you're doing a triple goddess mythology kind of thing, I don't know that I could coincide them with Earth, Heaven, and the Underworld. 
I don't I don't know who would be who there. I would think almost, but there well, is. I would al- think the mother. I don't. Well, Letty did. Letty would probably be the Earth. The mother would probably be the underworld, and the crone would be the heaven. Granny Hempstone. Yeah. And see, I don't know if that. Because she's been around the longest. I don't, and I don't get the whole. I didn't get the whole. She didn't seem to be very earthy or under or underworld related. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that comparison really works. Yeah, and honestly, the, honestly, if if that. If that particular part of the analogy has to be there for this to be a triple goddess situation, am I? Is that right, triple goddess? Yeah. If if, the, if if that analogy would with those representations have to be present, then I don't, I don't know that I go down all the way down that road. The 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 crone, the mother, and the maiden, I can definitely see. But if you have to start putting them into the underworld, heaven and earth, I don't know that I can. But where I do go, and I go very easily to, is is almost a Christian allegory in a way, and not that he's trying to do allegory, but I guess I should use some different different word. But the the Trinity that Wendy brought up, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, only done with a female twist to it. The 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 crone, or Granny Hempstock being the father part of that, the uh, Letty being the son, and the mother being the Holy Spirit. Because every time you see in, in Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. And every time we see the mother with, um, with, with, with our narrator, who he's never named, correct? No, the narrator, none of his family are named. Not even his sister? No. Nope. That was actually in that interview, Doc said. They, and it never says who the funeral was. I was in the thread. They were discussing right. you know, who the funeral is, and it never does say. I guess I just assumed it was his dad's funeral. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing, and then when it, it was being discussed in the thread, I was like, I, you're right, I don't remember him saying that. What does that say about us, Rod, that we think it was his dad's funeral? Well, I think he even made the mention that a lot of people just assumed, but that, you know, he never, he goes, could I have said whose it was? Yeah, he goes, it's kind of like putting a little extra salt on a dish, but he goes, it wasn't necessary. It doesn't really change the story that much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, but it would, well... I don't know. Like, he mentions becoming his dad's friend later on in life. But when you think about it, who else would it... I mean, they didn't seem to have a big family. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't somebody from... wasn't somebody that, you know, it wasn't a a sister that died. Right. So it would have to be... Well, you guys went with father, but it would have to be one of his parents. Who else's funeral would he travel back, back to for? But also he mentions he talks more and and maybe it's just the nature of the story being what the story was as far as like his mother being gone for that big chunk of it once ursula comes into play but there's more there's more interaction it seems with him and his dad throughout the story good bad and otherwise yeah his mom very much in the back seat in this in this book you know which which brings me to like once we get out of this whole esoteric uh, maybe that's the wrong word but once we get out of the whole mythology thing there's a whole other thing i took from this thing that just it resonated with me on so many levels but anyhow i go back to this thing the mother until the end until the end when she comes around the pond or the ocean there and she's a little she's a little abrasive with him um 
but she's always seen as a comforter. And, and Letty makes the sacrifice, sacrifices herself not just for him, but for the world, uh, because the world is starting to be torn apart by the cleaners. And then uh, Granny Hempstock, she's always got the answer. She, they're always trusting her. And she shows up when she needs to. And now Letty's in a situation where she's gone away. You don't know when she's going to come back. You know, it, it's the, it is the doctrine of the return of Christ one day that we find throughout the church. And so that's where I get, you know, and again, that's informed by my own personal theology. And I come back, Rod, to the question I asked you about the dad. What does that say about us? Because I'm realizing that one of the things that this book, what this book does so well is it allows the reader to really project your own experiences and your own philosophy and theology into what's going on. I, I would say that the, part of the reason you and I probably thought it was his dad is, you know, like you said, he mentioned that he made up with his dad. And I, I get the impression you're like me. I'm very close with my parents. You, you've actually had a discussion with my father. And so I, I get the feel I, when I read how he went back to the funeral and how he was sad and trying to remember stuff. That's just where I went to, you mm-hmm. know, that he was just close to his dad. And that's right. who he probably went back for. Well, well, I mean, his dad too, used to buy quick, I wanted to piggyback on something you'd said earlier that was yes. also in that interview with Letty sacrificing herself. He even made the mention, the author did in the interview, about how basically she was kind of cleaning up her own mess because she, she shouldn't have taken him along right. to, to, take, to take on Ursula. And then she kind of screwed it up and didn't get rid of her like she thought she did. And then so all this was as a result of her maybe just uh, being a little too big for her britches and not being able to handle it. Mm-hmm. But she's still, I mean, but even as a, she's displayed as being basically 11. And at one point she even says 11. And then he has this insight and he says, well, how long have you been 11? Yeah. You know, and, and, that's, and that question is never answered. She just kind of smiles knowingly. Yeah. And then, you know, they talk about other hemstock, like the men just travel the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression almost that the men don't have the same powers that the women do. Right. Right. It's I mean it's there's some there's some there's some depth there. And 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 I think that's one of the things that I enjoyed a lot about this book. And I think there was even the question either I saw it in the discussion forums or maybe it was in an email. What kind of how do you what what kind of book is this? Is what genre would you put this under? Is it fantasy? Is it horror? Is it autobiographical you know what what genre nicole what genre do you put this book in Hmm. well it's definitely mm. i wouldn't think no not fantasy because originally what even though it has one for fantasy i think it was a good reads fantasy pick when it first came out Rod, any thoughts? I would, I would actually pick it as a fantasy. Yeah, I don't pick it so much as science fiction. I don't think there's as much science involved with it. No, no, not at and all. There are actually autobiographies. I keep referencing this interview, but I just watched it on the way home, and it was kind of fascinating. The actual miner, the South African miner, mm-hmm. that happened. He, as yeah, as an adult, he asked his dad, "Whatever happened to that one car?" He's like, "I never told you that story." 
Really? They, they had a border that did that. They took the money, gambled it all away, including his partner's money, and stole their car and committed suicide in it. That part actually happened. <laughs> and he goes, his dad was kind of like, you know, he didn't feel empathy right away. He's like, something interesting like this happened, and I don't remember it. And I wonder if maybe that triggered part of the ending for the book as far as the narrator not remembering everything that happened and even remembering it differently. I mean, it really could. I, what's funny is, I mean, do you obviously as a kid, he didn't go down to the car and see the dead guy then. Uh, I'm assuming not. I'm assuming something like that a child would remember. Right. So so he's talking to his dad. He's like, hey, whatever happened to that old blah, blah, blah? And his dad's like, yeah, I never told you this? And he tells yeah. him, wow, wow. So that part actually did happen. It's well, and, and in his acknowledgments in the book, he, you know, he gives a lot of things because there are a lot of things that are similar to his childhood. Like he intentionally put things... About, you know from his childhood into this book and, and he even mentions one thing a, a picture that his sister had sent him of um of a greenhouse that he wished he'd remembered before he finished writing the book he said so um i yeah i there's there's obviously obviously he didn't maybe he did have experiences with some mystical old ladies but i don't think that that part is autobiographical as much as there's obviously information in this uh, this book that he def that he drew directly from his own life. Yeah, and I think you were going to mention something earlier. It's just fascinating to me that the parents would have borders. I mean, that just seems weird to me to just have somebody randomly living in your house and taking care of your kids. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, different, I know... Different times, I guess. Okay, yeah, different times. And that's another thing I want to bring up is when did this take place? Because... They've got cars. They're watching TV. So sixty-eight, I believe. Sixty-eight is that a is that a definite time that's given in the book? I think that's in the uh, interview. Okay. Which I sent to you in the. Uh, I see that in the Skype chat. So. Yeah. Um. And uh, Doc is telling me that houses are much more expensive in England, and I understand that the houses might be more expensive. My thing is that the parents are just like. Oh, you seem like a nice person. We'll went to this room, and uh, also, can you help watch my kids? Well, I think that was part of her using her magic to make that happen. Yeah, maybe. Have to reread that part, I guess. Well, she showed up as a nanny for the kids because the mom was going back to work, and her pay was room and board. You know, and the story she gave was, "I'm moving through town. I'm just kind of passing through, and I'll be here for a while, and I'd like to." You know, I need right, some but more. they were tight. They were they needed the money, so I felt like she had something to do with the wife all of a sudden getting a job. Right. She because that she fulfilled a need for them. Right. May very well have been. I don't. That's I don't. How, I don't. Yeah. That, that's what I how I felt that how that came about. So this is just another one of her giving people what they want. Right. Yeah. To get what she wants, I can see that. I can totally see that. Because you notice she got the mom out of the way, and then she started messing around with the old dad. Immediately. Yeah, like he was all like, like there's a whole thing of like I saw my dad touch her on the shoulder, and they were, and then when he's climbing down at the one point when he's going to get away, you know she's distracted because her and old dad are, you know. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if they're gonna. Okay, I guess they are. Yeah, and but they never, and this is, and again, this comes back to that she snipped that out, you know, she cut it out, but. I, 
did she? I mean, is that something that the dad just completely forgot? I, my interpretation was that, yeah. Because yep, the dad just seemed, too. like, super confused. You know, he pulls out the toothbrush, and he's like, uh, yeah, I guess you're staying the night here. Here's your toothbrush. So I meant to grow. <laughs> you know, he's just, he seems a little confused. Like, he's something con- has happened. Yeah, he's confused because they were, just from the disorientation of we were going down there to get onto this kid, you know, and then time stopped, and now our memories are different. But did it take out the whole night for them? That's how I understood it. But again, this is kind of one of those things. This is what I well, it would have to because I don't. The dad doesn't remember drowning him, does he? Because no. that was that night too, right? Yeah. And Jess mentioned it earlier. It's one of the things she didn't like is that uh, stuff wasn't spelled out. But it's one of the things mm-hmm. I actually did like is yeah. you know you can kind of you and I can sit here and discuss and maybe we don't all three agree. But my interpretation is that that night has essentially been wiped out. Like they're kind of like, huh? We must just watch TV and I don't remember it. Right. I, yeah, I I don't know. That's a, and that is a tricky situation too because suddenly that painted the dad in a whole different light. But as I'm reading that, I'm like, well, he's just kind of under her sway, the same way that his sister was. Yeah, I got the impression he was actually a decent guy for the most part. Yeah. Until she came along. Well, there was the whole there was the whole thing about my dad never hit us because his dad used it him and you know that kind of thing like. There was this whole explanation of just how his dad was trying to be a good man. And, you know, he goes into the kitchen. Hey, did you bring my comic? And, yeah, it's in the back seat of the car. That's how they find out the car had been stolen and everything. Um, the kid had a lonely life, but I never got the sense that he had a miserable bad life. It wasn't like a, a Harry Potter living under the stairs kind of situation for this kid. Yeah. He mean, had a yellow basin that was exactly his size, for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean... The dad was a good guy until Ursula came along. I mean, women making men bad since the garden. You heard it, Nicole. All right, that's my time. Have a good night. <laughs> that's my time. That's <laughs> that's my time. Oh man, bless your heart, Nicole. Yeah, I um, th- that that gets into weird territory because you know how much of a pass you give a man. And then with him actually doing the whole, I don't know, like it got really scary when when he does snap on him and like busts through the door and is going to just, you know, basically drown the kid in the bathtub. You know, what? I don't know. And then there's the whole thing when he's in like the protective circle area while the cleaners are, you know, where the cleaners can't get to him and they're showing up as all these different people. Was that his dad that showed up? Mm, I'm gonna say no. Okay. Defend yourself. Well, Is I it... feel like it was just like a trick, like everybody else that showed up, just like supposedly his sister showed up. Yeah, but she see, told him he was gonna be in trouble. Yeah, but see, this whole thing skirted a line in in, in moments of it. It skirted the line between fantasy and reality. And that and and that was one of those moments where he's having to make the choice to stay in that circle, regardless of who's coming for him. I you see. I think it wasn't his dad. Mm-hmm. And I and even if it was, I think his dad wasn't able to enter the circle. If it was him, he wasn't able to enter the circle because of the possession by Ursula. But I lean towards no. It was one of the cleaners. So. 
I guess my thing is then because when he when he makes a statement to his dad, you know, why why are you wanting to hurt everyone? Like his dad almost he he talks about his dad just being hurt and turning around and walking away. That emotion, that level of emotion there, why? That's what caused me to question it. Was the response of the supposed father to that statement? That's what caused me to question that moment. I guess I can see your argument. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand by my original decision. I've I mean, I, I, I listen. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here, and and <laughs> I and that and I know that frustrates some some readers. This is what this is what this is literature to me at its best when you can go back and forth and have these discussions and never come to a conclusion. This is this is the stuff that made me want to be an English major when I was actually thinking of college and in college, was to do something. I wanted to do something like this. This makes me want to create something that is that has this many layers, that's this, you know, that, that is that is just this. There's so much to it, you know, to be such a... To be short for a novel, and he said it was going to be a short story, but they, but his friends and family encouraged him to, to go ahead and stretch into novel. His wife, I think, is who he said. Yeah. In the acknowledgments, you know, but to be such a short novel, to be so jam packed with just like themes and and philosophy and theology and 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 quite frankly, to capture what it is um, to be a child. I don't, and this is, and this is kind of off topic. I, before I get to that, I want I, we need to get to Andy Lindemann. Andy, let me Google that for you, Lindemann's uh, email, because he answered some of these questions, and, and I want to get into some of his stuff. He says, "Hey guys and gals, before I get into the few questions I answered, I just want to talk about the book in general. As I was reading it, I thought it was a pretty freaky story, kind of like some reading someone else's nightmare. Somewhere around two thirds or three fourths of the way through, I went from freaky to cool." And though I couldn't tell you where or why exactly, after I finished it, I really liked it, although I was kind of haunted by the drowning scene and freaky Ursula for a bit. For some reason, Ursula reminded me of the Abeloth creature uh, from the Star Wars Fate of the Jedi series. Well, you're way out of my league there with that. I didn't get that far into the old extended universe. Here's a question that was posed to the group. What is, is this book, what genre? We talked about that a little bit. It seemed to have elements of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but I'm curious how everyone else classifies this book. We talked about that a little bit. Then he says, after I read Doc's Theory on the book, I wondered, what the heck did I just read? Uh, now, is he talking about the book or Doc's Theory? Doc's Theory. Um, both. Um, he says, uh, in, in the question about the, the triple goddess and, and if this is what the Hempstock's are, he says, I don't really know anything about that, but I know, but I think it was odd. There were three women and no men, and the fact they didn't need men even to reproduce. They weren't always together, though. As we see, Letty is often uh, sent out to take care of issues herself without the others. I did wonder at some point if they were supposed to represent the Christian Trinity, but I gave up on that idea and just went with they are ancient beings that have been around since the beginning of time. The narrator has returned to his hometown for a funeral. Um, do you think that framing his childhood story with a funeral gives the story a pessimistic outlook rather than optimistic one? This was, that was the question. And he says, I think it could set a morbid or pessimistic tone, but I didn't really give the funeral much thought since we weren't given many details about it. I just assumed it was the MacGuffin to get the main character back to his hometown. Uh, the narrator is male. Most of the other characters are female. The story has the potential to become a stereotypical narrative where the male character saves the day. Uh, and he says he does try to save the day, willing to sacrifice himself so reality would not be torn apart. But Letty then sacrifices herself to save the narrator. He says, I was sort of expecting the stereotypical romance or young love between the narrator and Letty. 
But that never happened, at least openly. I got the impression that he did seem to like Nettie. Um, on the juxtaposition of memories of childhood with the presence of adulthood, um, in what ways do children perceive things differently than adults? Do you think there are situations where a child's perspective can be more truthful than adults? He says, young kids seem to view life and issues as black and white, not as shades of gray, because they lack a lifetime of experiences that color their worldview. The narrator views Ursula as pure evil and needs to be destroyed, but Letty, who is much older, pities Ursula and gives Ursula a chance to, to do the right thing and just leave. On the other hand, the narrator knows she is destroying his family, but I didn't know if his dad was just ignoring that fact because he had a thing going on with Ursula or if Ursula was controlling the dad. On the topic of Ursula, he says that one of the main attributes, or the question is one of the main attributes, she always tries to give people what we want. We talked about this. And he says, we clearly don't want to give the drug addict the drugs he wants, but that's why it isn't a good thing. At first, we're told Ursula wants to give people what they want. After a while, I wondered if, if uh, she just wanted to be loved, but she didn't say uh, in the end she wanted the world. But didn't she say in the end she wanted the world for herself? If so, I imagine so she could just have uh, try to have a world full of people that loved her because she gave them what they wanted. On the role of water, uh, instead of answering the question, he says, I want to explain what I liked about the role of water in this book. From the title of the book, we are led to believe the ocean is going to be important. But Gaiman misdirects us right away when we find out it's only a pond. And the pond doesn't do anything either for much of the book, pushing it further and further back away from the focus. Then when Letty says that Grand wore herself out getting the ocean in the bucket, I was like, what? And it got pretty trippy after that. I like how he led us to believe it wasn't a big deal, and suddenly it was. One of the motivators for the characters in this story is loneliness. Um, and, and what is the situation? He says, uh, how, who's suffering from loneliness? How do they respond? He says, I'm, sure, I'm not sure the boy was lonely, even though his schoolmates were a no-show for his birthday. He seemed content with his books and stories, or maybe he just couldn't recognize his loneliness. Clearly, Dad was lonely, and of course, Ursula was lonely. I'm not sure about the hemstocks. Letty might have been because she was quick to take the boy with her on a dangerous mission. Um... And so he passed on the rest of the questions, but the the theme of loneliness is there, and I want to talk about the narrator's loneliness really quickly and, and, and dovetail back in this whole thing of the the, the childhood situation. Um, is that a big deal in this book? Is his loneliness that big of a deal? Because, again, I felt like he seemed pretty content, Nicole. He was. Uh, I don't... I actually related to that because I was kind of like him when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. All I did was read and do things on my own. I I didn't really have growing up. I didn't really have that many friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rod, um, yeah, I mean, he seemed lonely, but he didn't seem sad that he was lonely. Right, right. You know, he had a, he was happy. Mm -hmm. You know, he had Letty, who was a friend to him, and he enjoyed that. But it wasn't. There was never any mention of, oh, I wish I was over at so-and-so's birthday party, or I wish those guys would outplay that, what is that, that communist sport, soccer? Mm. Yeah, you know. So, I think he had a happy enough life. We, just... stand, we stand with Hope Solo. <laughs> oh, I haven't followed that controversy. Anyhow, well, here's the thing, because as I'm reading this book, and, and this is how I want to dovetail into this, and I think that a lot of us who classify ourselves as geeks have a lot of similar um, situations growing up, you know, especially the older ones of us. I don't know about the kids these days with, you know, everything being as popular as it is in the in the cinemas and, and such as. 
But I know for, for like me, once I got to a certain point in life, it was like no one relates to me in the way that I just relate to my comics or the books I'm reading or whatever the case may be. And and though I'm, I can't say that I was ever lonely and I don't know that I was ever a social outcast or anything like that, I can say there was just something about this kid that resonated so strongly with me. And I think it came down to and Andy brought this up, his worldview. This kid had a worldview of things are supposed to be a certain way, and when they're not, it upset him. He didn't like he didn't like change. There was the one statement that was made about his dad um, always eating burnt toast like it was the greatest thing in the world, and then years later admitting he didn't like it, he just didn't want to waste food. <laughs> And and the and the narrator says this kind of shattered my universe. I mean, I'm paraphrasing there, but he's like the truths that I knew came shattering down in that moment. And there's so many things like that as you grow up, as you um, as you as you get older, your world does kind of start to shatter. You know, if if you've had a decent upbringing, then and, and I don't mean like you know affluent. I just mean like if you've been in a if you've been in an environment where you're loved and taken care of, and I know not everyone has been in that, but if you are, there's some, there there's a bubble of protection put around you for a certain amount of time to protect you from the grim truth of what the world really is. And little simple things like dad didn't really enjoy burnt toast is going to shatter some illusions. You know, and it is going to call into question, well, what else isn't true? You know, yeah. what what else what else were they just putting a smile on the, what else were they just grinning and bearing kind of situation? And and I don't know, like I this thought crossed my mind when I when I was going through this book, and it is this probably captures the essence of childhood innocence and the essence of childhood uh the starkness of the way a child will will view morality as well as anyone ever has captured childhood. Um, you know, with, with the exclusion, you know, I mean, and I, don't, and I don't say this to be silly, but right up there with, with, uh, with J.K. Rolling Rowling or, uh, or even like a, a Judy Bloom, who, you know, the Ramona books and the Super Fudge and all that stuff, where you related to those kids, and those were books for kids, but now as an adult looking at this, there were just so many moments where that kid resonated with me not his experiences but the way that he thought and saw the world and i don't know if i'm alone in that thought process at all or not no i mean now that you explain it i can it kind of reminds me a little bit uh the way this child was written and some of the others that you mentioned as compared to like an orson scott card mm-hmm. who I've, I've who writes a lot of children but i never find his children believable right and i agree with you that this one you like this does feel like a young boy telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean for sure. And I don't, you know. And what what's sad to me is the forgotten memories for this guy. Yeah. You know, there, there's a sadness there that even though the memories are less than happy, it's sad that it's only through his subconscious and at times of, of distress in his life that he ends up back at this place reliving those moments you know and and that in some way that brings him comfort 
Yeah. It's, I, I was kind of sad that he never remembers it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like he gets a brief glimpse of it again whenever he goes there. And it never tells us how many times he's gone there. But every time he goes there, he remembers it a little differently. And then as soon as he's gone, he's forgotten it again. Mm-hmm. Like he never gets to hold on to the memories. And he's, even when he's there at that moment, he's not sure what he's remembering is how it happened. Well, and they even say that, you know, memories, that it's even brought up at one point in the book. I think it's Letty or either Grand that says it. Um, you can't really trust someone's memories. No, I think it's funny sometimes. I don't know if you ever talk with your siblings about something that happened in your childhood and they remember it completely different than you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then you're like, and, and you know, in your mind, it's pretty vivid how it happened. And then, you know, your sister's like, that's not at all how it happened. I'm usually reminding my siblings of the way things happened just right. In, in my family, it comes down to who can tell the story better. And it's always me. You're the storyteller. I'm the storyteller. Yeah. I, my, my younger brother one time got in a fight with a neighborhood kid. And he remembers the fight and everything. But, like, there are moments of the fight. And, again, and I say this with, with full, like, we're not fighters in my family. Never have been. But we just will sit around and laugh about the things that I recall about that situation that he doesn't. And it's just so funny. And he's and then he'll be like, I do remember that, you know. And it could just be I'm planting memories in his head, but it's how I remember it. So um, That's the way it happened now. Yeah, it's the way, yeah. In our history, that's how it went, and um, and and so yeah, you're right. There are times when we're sitting around and and like we we'll come to we won't come to blows over stuff, but we'll get in heated debates about how things went down in certain situations. Yeah, well, my siblings and I have done the same. Not not come to blows, obviously, but there is a lot of uh, times where we argue heatedly. And and it's interesting. Every once in a while, there's some that we all remember the same. Mm-hmm. That's always nice. Like, I just think okay. it's I just think it's funny that we have heated arguments over memories. <laughs> yep. But that's life, and that's and I think and and I go back to to me that was what impacted me most about midway through this book. That's what impacted me the most because even if even if there's something skewed, and even if there's not a fantastic element to this. And and there, you know, and Doc's theory has a has a germ of truth to it, and there's something skewed about the way he's remembering things. I'll I'll tell a quick story, because it's what I do. When I was a when I was real young, and we and we still lived up in Athens, Georgia, up in North Georgia, um, east of here. Uh, there at, at our church, we had built we'd cut out some uh, an area of of trees and woods. They they cleared some land. And they built like a nice big fellowship hall slash Sunday school space, all this stuff, you know. And it was it was just a really cool building. But you went around the side of the building, there was a little patch of woods that were still there that never got cleared out. And so we'd go play in those woods and everything. And as an adult now, I know what was back behind those woods. It was just some kind of machine shop or auto repair shop or something, you know. But um, But, man, we couldn't quite get through the thick part of this little wooded area to get to the property line to really truly see what was going on over there and so you know it would be kind of dusk and we'd be out there playing around you know after church or whatever the case may be and we'd hear people laughing or we'd hear some weird noises 
And we started to make up this whole thing about what was going on in those woods. And it and and I had friends that that was what we spent most of our time saying. All right, well we're going to come back on Sunday afternoon when it when there's still light, and we've got to go walking through there why why it's not dark so we can know exactly what's happening. And we would have um, meetings with me and a couple of friends at church about what is going on back there, you know, and what have you seen, what have you heard, that kind of thing. And um, it, thinking that you know the adults just won't understand there's something crazy back there we've got to go get proof and it was that kind of and and you know now like i say as an adult i know exactly what was going on and and there have been moments when i've been in that town and i have a few extra minutes and so i'm like i'll drive by the old church and see what's going on and i'll pull back there and i'll just kind of laugh at you know eight nine-year-old steve for thinking man but i would not change those experiences either because there was something about being able to believe that there was something more than just an auto machine shop, you know, on the other side of a fence and through the woods that were too thick for us to get through kind of situation. And it, sound, it sounds similar to, to why I think needful thing or not needful things. I'm sorry. Stranger things has resonated so much in people. It's another situation where they've displayed childhood and, and like the wonder that a child has mm-hmm. so well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I I think that, and 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 I really for me that's what captured me most about this book, and and I say, and this is why I say I'll read anything Neil Gaiman's got because if he can make me, you know, experience those, um, those feelings and and tap into that, if he can make me tap into seven eight year old Steve. You know, with a story that is kind of freaky and scary and weird and everything else, then I'll go down any path with him. Now, have you watched any of the movies? What movies? So, Stardust was based on a, one of his novels. Writing this down. That has, uh, is that... Uh, Claire uh, Danes. Claire Danes? I thought it was Rene Russo. No, Claire Danes. Okay. And uh, also, do you remember when they tried to make... What they were thought, what they hoped was going to be the new labyrinth. It was a movie called Mirror Mask. No, Neil Gaiman wrote that script based on art by I want to say the guy's name is Dave McKean. Mm-hmm. I might have that wrong, and somebody's probably screaming at me. But uh, it was made with the Henson Company. Oh wow, Mirror Mask. I'm trying to see when that came designed and directed by dave mckean and written by neil gaiman from a story they developed together 2005 fantasy film is it good uh it's pretty weird but i enjoyed it all right i will seek it out i mean it's one of those i was like it's neil gaiman i'm Mm -hmm. gonna i'm gonna watch it yeah i feel like i've seen the cover of stardust i feel like it was a i feel like it was one of those movies that got it didn't quite um blow the roof off you know yeah it didn't do as well as they had hoped but every time i heard anyone talk about it uh it it seemed to be spoken of rather highly it's very special effect heavy and there's so i think there's some hints and puppetry robert de niro's in this thing right yeah michelle fiverr's in this she's on the poster Oh, you're thinking of Stardust. You're looking at Stardust. Well, you, you said Stardust. I was looking at Mirror Mask. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm back to Stardust moving on, now. Moving on to uh, 
Stardust. Was Rene Russo in that? It's been a while since I've seen No, him. I'm sorry. I get Rene Russo and Michelle Pfeiffer confused sometimes. Is that did that say Charlie Cox? Mr. Daredevil? Charlie Cox, Claire Danes, Sienna Miller, Peter O'Toole, narrated by Ian McKellen. Wow. I need to seek this out and watch it. It was uh it was a good one. And there's a I don't remember, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but uh I wonder if the hemstock is mentioned because in the book there is a hemstock mentioned. Hmm. And then Mirror Mask came out in 2005. Right. That's what I said. Yep, yep. I all was right. way ahead of you on that, Dooncast. All right, all right, all right. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the monkey's paw. Uh, so. Now, wait a minute. Coraline. Is that Coraline. the same? Yeah. Is that Coraline. the same Coraline yes. that is the? Yes, it is. Yep. That was the stop motion animation movie. Yep. Yep. That was a Neil Gaiman book. Yes, it was. Yes, it is. Well, animated one. That one was I'm, actually animated. Well, now I'm going to have to. Right. That's why I said stop motion animation book uh, movie. Uh, no, I mean the book was had illustrated. Sorry. Really? I believe. I think I've got that upstairs. All right. I think that's I, on my shelf, but. That's all the way upstairs. And I'm, I'm going to use so. the links provided at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com, and I'm going to stock up on some Neil Gaiman. I I am a big fan. So yeah. when Nicole picked this book, I was like, fine by me. Yeah. Fine by me! <laughs> so, why don't you cry about it, saddlebags? Um, all right. Well, I... I don't... I've, I've really... I, I, I realized that I started talking way too much there. Not giving you guys a chance to to chime yep. in. Uh, you're, the, you're the Steve. Any other any other thoughts on this thing, Nicole? Any anything you want to chime in on that we maybe we haven't touched on or? No, I think we we've, we've covered. A, well, somebody mentioned doing the chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've covered everything that needs to be covered. Nice. Okay, Rod. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to pull. I uh, I linked a video. I. I encourage anybody to watch it. I've referenced it a couple times, but it's just, it's interesting that he's, and he even talks about how he would go to these book clubs. I must have been his first wife, but uh, she had a book club, and this book club would read all his books before they got published, and he talks about how he goes to them, and he sometimes will Skype in to book clubs to discuss the book, and I, I like an author that's willing to sit down and talk candidly about his work. Well, I so, did. I did include him in a tweet before we went live, and I did, um, I did as well earlier. I didn't get a response. With American know? Gods, I may try to go a little bit further and say, so. you know, hey, yeah. And he, I don't know, he, with that one coming up as a stars show. Mm -hmm. But I actually just looked. I still got that one on audio sitting in my library. So yeah, hooray! I'll have to. Um, I have to watch these answers that he gives on this video. It's about a twenty-minute video. I'll put a link in the chat, and I'll try to remember, for those of you listening via the podcast, to put a link at geekoutpodcast.com um, where you'll find the episode and everything else there. I'll, I'll try to put a link in the episode description. So, Yeah, it's uh, Neil Gaiman, as much as people sometimes will poo-poo the audiobooks, him narrating his books is great. Yeah, yeah. I really I really enjoyed it. And, and um, you know, I actually returned... I use the audible.com return policy to return one second later. <laughs> Good call. And traded for this one, and I couldn't be happier. Like, so happy. Yeah. Um, On both parts. Yeah, yeah. So, 
And uh, if you want to get your free Audible trial, you should at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Or if you use those Amazon links uh, that are provided at, um, at, at geekoutonline.com, geekoutpodcast.com, you can actually, through Amazon, do an Audible subscription. And, and that'll actually, those type things really help out the show in a big, bad way. So I am um, horrible about looking, so I'll try and get better about that. Yeah. Hey, man, come on. It's well, fun. I'm just so used to shopping on my phone. I understand. The app. Yeah, I understand. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So, I wish there was a way I could get a piece of that, but I don't know that. I don't know how that would work. Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to Amazon and find out. So yeah, do that and be like, hey, this idiot can't figure out to shop other than his app, mm-hmm. and I want the money for it. <laughs> That's right. And he and he knows he wants to. He wants to support my work. So, um, well, guys. Thank you so much for being on and doing this. I, I would say we'll take calls, but the reason we're not going to is because my my Skype subscription has run out, and uh, and and I haven't had and it hasn't been up yet. There's some there's something wrong with my payment, so I got to figure out how I was using what I was paying it with and that sort of thing. So when next we have call ins, we may very well have a different number. We'll find out. I'll so have to change contact. Yeah, I was going to say that's a great time to make a Patreon pitch, but I guess. Well, I feel like we've done all that. I feel like I feel like I've pitched everybody silly. So um yeah, so there there it is. You know patreon.com slash geek out loud, of course Amazon, Think Geek and Entertainment Earth links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. For Geek Out Online right now, I'm working on a new blog entry Ooh. into the Collect 'em All series where I'm gonna be reviewing the Gremlins card set from nineteen eighty four. You and Derek talking, I I managed to stay strong, but I was looking. I was like, ooh, look at these cards. <laughs> well, I tell you, I've been disappointed to find out that Goonies cards are premium. To, to get the Goonies trading cards, you're going to... I was thinking maybe they won't be... Maybe they'll be as plenteous as the old uh, the old Gremlins or the old Gremlins 2 or whatever the case may be, but no. Um, these, uh, these cards are uh, are not in in great rotation apparently so there are some dune cards i saw that i did i've noticed there are dune cards did you think of me and laugh and go i bet that sucker will buy them i well i thought of me and said this would be funny to pick up and then wave it over my head look at me i've got a whole set look at what i got rod look at this what <laughs> you think it is here rod yeah and nicole has the uh nfl huddle app going oh no, yeah I don't. oh you don't do the huddle no. What's the NFL? I that what is email the... the other day, and that made me not want to be a part of it. Uh oh. What's the huddle app? Uh, it's football cards, like the Star Wars. Oh, what what made you not want to be a part of it, Nicole? I just didn't like the. They've changed it. Their contest. Everything. I don't have time for that. I don't. Yeah, I I'm barely not... remember checking the Star Wars app. Now they. I'm just stacking credits until Rogue One comes out. Can we just all be honest right now and say? They really messed up a good thing with the Star Wars trading card app by having too many inserts, too many special cards, raising the prices on packs. And it, yeah, yes. it's and just the not fact fun. That if you don't pay, I'm sorry, there has to be an algorithm that if you don't buy credits, they don't drop. Right. I agree. I agree. Because there are times where I'm just like, I'm, I'm not a math genius, but I can do some simple math and go, I should have had three inserts by now, and I haven't gotten a one. Yep, yep. And that's when I finally just stopped. I was like, I am not going to spend money on an imaginary card. You know what I love about these old cards from the 80s and early 90s? You get 10 cards and one sticker, and your insert is the sticker. Yeah. So 
<laughs> I think we just heard our cue to end this thing, to wrap it up. Uh, Rod, the email is goloversereads at yes. gmail.com. There's a Twitter at goloversereads. Rod, you are at what on Twitter? Uh, look for bald-headed Rod. You'll find me. Okay. And Nicole, are you back with us yet? Yep. And you, who your Twitter is? CO984life. <laughs> Nicole, proud of her high school graduation year. <laughs> I love it. Easiest way to find me. Easiest way to find her on Twitter. CO984LIFE. That's some NWO stuff right there. I always imagine her when she says it, she puts up the two sweet. I do too. Yes. Nicole, do don't you tell do us that? that you're not doing it because in our head you're doing it. Nicole, do you two sweet me? When you do that, you put up the, you throw up the NWO sign. No, I don't. Oh, see, I'm just gonna ignore that she said that and pretend that she still does. That's really disappointing. That's really disappointing. Well, thanks guys for doing this with us, and and I enjoyed it. Next month's book is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Looking forward to getting into that with everyone and uh, and diving into that book. Um, uh, you can email the show, Geek Out Loud, at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Of course, Geek Out Loud on Twitter, at Goldiverse on Twitter. I'm at Steve Glosson. Uh, th- throw Arish and Joe some love at Mile High Tundra. Uh, they've got a new episode that dropped today as of time of this recording and are going to be having a weekly schedule. So if you're into the NFL, you even if you don't like the Packers and the Broncos, check them out, and they have a good, good NFL show going. And um, Big Honkin' Show. Doing it every day, Monday through Friday. Hope you can join us in the chat, mixer.com slash Goliverse. If you're not listening to it, I, I hope you'll try it out at least. And and it's not always good, but what you do is it's one of those shows that there are days when there's some gold, and you just can't help but come back hoping that it's going to be one of those things again and again and again. So, uh, big honking show. Can I uh, can I talk Nicole into pimping out the Pick'em League? Yes. Nicole? I don't have that information pulled up. How can I pimp it out if I'm not worn that? Reach out to Nicole at CO98 for life on Twitter, and she will give you the information for the Goldverse Fantasy Football Pick'em League. All right, there you go. Reach at CO984 life. Too sweet. Um, (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for joining us live at the chat at Mixer.com slash Goldverse. We do most, if not all, of our shows live. And we appreciate you guys joining us. If you're listening via the podcast, we thank you. Please leave reviews and ratings if you haven't already done so. It helps us out, especially with people like Kevin Smith and Greg Grunberg trying to market, corner the market on Geeking Out with their AMC show. So uh, let them know who the real geeks are. Big shout out to Geek Nation. Thanks for the follow on Twitter, guys. Until next time, for Rod, for Nicole, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next... Geek Out Loud. Have a good one, everybody.